Thank you, God, for the people who happen to be here today to be able to help. And God, just ask that you just um, just be with her throughout whatever process she needs from here. So, God, we thank you, and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys, for being patient, and um, I think it's important to make sure she's okay. Uh, does anybody remember where I left off? Something good. Oh, yeah. Okay. We're going to get there. Is that for us? Okay. Okay. So the thing is, is when we got back in here and we started at having been forbidden, we talked about the Spirit stopping us a little bit. It's one of these things that when you think about a hesitation or you think about God literally stopping you, forbid, forbidding them here, and keeping them from going in the direction that they wanted to go, it's this thing, I think sometimes we'll give it a name like conviction, where God will literally, you feel this on your heart, where it's stopping you from doing what God, it, it, what you want to do, but what God is saying, this, this isn't the direction I want you to go. This isn't the thing I want you to be involved with. Now, do you remember back when we planted the church and I was telling you how cool and hip we were going to be and, you know, Chad and I were looking at being the next new celebrity pastors, right? We were thinking all of these things. We, you, some of you know this, but we, we were looking at starting the church also at that time down at the Laugh Factory, do you know, downtown Long Beach. And it was just a perfect situation, we thought. We had... Uh, the owner manager said, hey, you guys would be great here. And I was like, this would be great. There's an auditorium. There's parking. We could put the kids, if they ever come, you know, over in the bar area, you know, or the kids department would be like we were trying. And I remember just at that point, everything was opening up. <laughs> I'm really glad God shut that door. And he did it through a voice of wisdom. And so Chad and I are thinking, we're going to do this. We're moving forward. And, it, and I, everything was lining up. They were like, you could do church on Sunday morning service because we have clean comedy on Sunday night. We'll promote your church on Sunday night, and you guys can promote our clean comedy on Sunday. It was perfect. I saw beautiful visions. Um, but then all of a sudden, Julie Frontier, Chad's mom, happened to us, and she just one day said, you ever thought about Belmont Shore? And I was like, I don't think about Belmont Shore. I, what, what do you mean? And she's like, you should think about Belmont Shore. There's not really any churches down there like this. And it was just a one thing, and the spirit did, just bothered me. And it's one of those things where it's like, you should look at Belmont Shore. So as we go down there, all of my plans were here. Everything was lining up. I was creating brochures. We were moving that way. And then one comment led to this is where God wants us to be we make our plans but sometimes God will literally keep you from them and I felt like that was God's plan he gave us the but Julie plan you know what I mean and then she came and planted a seed and the spirit used so it picked up in verse 7 and when they had come to uh, Maisha, uh, Maisha, Messiah it says they attempted to go into Bethnia, which is in the north. So they got resisted there in the south. Then they start to go to the north. And, and literally, it says something very different here. And they attempted to go there, but the spirit of Jesus did not allow them. 
meaning that they were resisted there, but the spirit of Jesus, the same spirit of Jesus that threw Paul off of a horse, is resisting them there. Meaning that, Paul, you need to listen instead of your plans. These would have both been very, very good places to go. He will eventually get there. But God does it, not Paul. So passing by uh, uh, Messiah, Messiah, they went down to Troas. And the vision of the Lord appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. So he gets this vision. And I think in some cases it comes to that. I don't necessarily know if that's what God wanted to do, but this is what it comes to. What we're going to see in Macedonia, this is different in the region Paul is in. In Macedonia, you'll, you'll see the letters to the Philippians if you read that. That's to the Macedonians. About, about Thessalonians, First and Second Thessalonians, or to the people in Thessalonica. That's in Macedonia. Those are the Macedonian people. It says, And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought out to go to Macedonia, concluding that God has called us to preach the gospel to them. I read this quote one time, and I thought it was so perfect for this part. And it was, Vision calls prophets to mission. Paul gets a vision, and it calls him right to mission. And so when God is speaking directly to you about something, he's calling you to something. We should jump to mission. Put this map up here really quick, would you, Christy? This is a good visual. I thought it would be good for us to see. They're starting down there on the far right corner in Antioch. They're coming up through where Paul grew up in Tarsus, up through Derby, Iconium. They pick up Timothy from last week. They're up into Antioch, Pisidia, which is a different Antioch. And this is where they're going to decide where they want to go from, right? They're going to go to this area over here where Ephesus is or up to the north up there. And God resists them on both ends and sends them right over into Macedonia. Now, you've got to remember the central theme of Acts. The central theme of Acts is this. The Spirit guides as well as it empowers the church. If you want to think about Acts, that's what you need to think about. The Spirit empowers and it guides. And we'll look for the Spirit all throughout the book of Acts, and this is how he does it. Remember John 3.16, or sorry, John 16.13, that Jesus said, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. That is how the Spirit works. He will guide you and he will declare to you how the things that are to come. And this is exactly what he's doing with Paul. So I need to set the stage because Luke is setting it for the work of the Spirit beyond Paul's plans. And now he's going into uncharted territory, even territory he had no vision for. And now the Spirit is leading. There are three unexpected outcomes from this spiritual journey that, that, that the Spirit's taking him on. And the first one we're going to see is by a woman named Lydia. Paul is picturing a man from Macedonia crying out, help us. Right? But on the other side of that vision is a woman named Lydia. Verse six, or chapter 16, verse 11. So they sailed from Troas and they made a direct voyage, some Samothrace, and, follow, and the following day to Neapolis. This is a port city into Philippi. 
and from there to Philippi. Now, Philippi, why it's important just to know this. It's an important city because it was where Rome's fate was decided right outside of the city. It, this was Brutus, who murdered Caesar, and, Mar and Mark Anthony and Augustus, who became emperor. This was where the battle took place. It was the greatest civil war Rome had had. And so this city had a special place of honor to the Roman Empire. And here they are now, which is, it says, which is the leading city of the district of Macedonia, a Roman colony. Now, all of these things, when we read the Bible, we just kind of graze over them. But this will start to shape the narrative as we go through. Is that a, this Roman colony, what it meant was, especially this city, it was basically a microcosm of Rome. They had all full citizen rights. They worshipped the emperor as God there. It was an important city strategically. It had gold mines, so they loved this city. And it was very much this, this everything in Rome that you had, you had here. And so Paul was going into an area he didn't fully know quite yet. Kind of prepared him for Rome, I think, a little bit. They didn't have taxes. If you were a Roman citizen, you didn't have to pay taxes. You didn't have to pay land taxes. It says, we remain in this city for days, and on the Sabbath day we went outside, went outside the gate to the riverside where we, where we supposed there was a place of prayer, and we sat down and we spoke to the women who had come together. Now, this is a very good indication that there are not very many Jews in this area. They didn't go much further than Asia beyond that point to this area. When 10 Jewish men would get together, they could have a synagogue and they could establish a synagogue within the city. Why they're outside of the city is partially a Roman thing. Is that this is an unsanctioned religion and it needed to be outside the city walls. But part of it is they had no, not enough people there to make a synagogue. So Paul is going to the outskirts of the city down by a river. It says, and it says, one who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thurida. And it says, a seller of purple goods and who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. Now, she's not originally from here, but she does have a home here. So she does business probably all over the empire. Very well off, very influential. But for some reason, God leads them there and this woman is here and becomes the pillar of the Philippian church. She is housing the church after this. And what's interesting about where she's from, that city with that weird name, is that it's exactly where she's originally from, is where exactly where Paul wanted to go the first time before the Spirit said no. So his plans were to go right down that way, right through that city. And this woman who's in another city is from this place and is very influential there and very influential here. The Spirit knows what's better for Paul's mission. But the Lord opened her heart. Paul's great words didn't open her heart. They weren't like, finally, a teacher is here. We never see them out here. It wasn't that. It was the Lord opened her heart. She was a worshiper of God, it says. The Lord opened her heart. And after she was baptized, her household was as well. So her family is with her. 
She urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us, meaning she must have been very convincing. And she convinced him to stay at her house to set up shop there for the church. He didn't have this in his plan, you know. This is what the Spirit wanted. So he is there, and he is continually coming down to meet in that area. The next unexpected outcome in this Philippian church is, one, it's from this woman they didn't expect, and the next one is from a girl who's tormented. I love this story because it's a story of freedom. It's a story of someone who is, is in slavery, not just physically, but mentally, and, and there's freedom there, but it creates the next stage of the person God wants Paul to reach. Sometimes when you, you think something's wrong, on the other side of it is actually something really, really right. Acts 16, 16, as they were going to the place of prayer, right where he met Lydia, they met a slave girl who had a spirit of divination. Now, this word has been changed in the ESV, but the original word is a, Pyth a Pythian. She was someone who was like an oracle and the symbol was a snake and through that snake Apollo would speak this their god one of the gods the great gods they worshiped and so she had this voice from their god their high god their most high in a way and it says this, it had a spirit of divination, and they brought her owners much gain, meaning her owners were making tons of money off of her ability to predict the future and tell people's fortune. She followed Paul and cried out, these men are servants of the Most High God, whom proclaim to you the way of salvation. That sounds really, really good. And I used to get frustrated, of like, why would Paul do what he's about ready to do when she's actually kind of proclaiming the truth? Now, Jesus did this when the demons would speak about him. But these, this, this entity is speaking something very different. You know the word disinformation? We hear that a lot in our, in, our, in our culture today. This is disinformation way, 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 way back. Because how they would have heard it, without the context of Yahweh, without the context of Christ's salvation, what they would have heard is they're seeing these men do these great things, and it's not because of the, the Yahweh. It's because of our most high God and the way of salvation. Now, to the Romans, the way of salvation meant this. Life, happiness, fruitfulness. So it's a very warped message she's delivering. And Paul just can't take it anymore. And, she, she, and, and so she kept doing this for many days, Paul having become greatly annoyed. Turning and said to her, I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of her. And it came out of her that hour. But her owners saw that their hopes of gain were gone. They seized Paul and Silas. They dragged him into the marketplace. This is where he would have been. The council was there. This is like dragging him downtown to the courthouse before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrate, they said, these are the Jews and they are disturbing the city. Now there is a, a, an anti-Semitic bent in this city and amongst these people. So they, one, don't like them because of their nationality, and two, they don't like them because of the message and what's happened to them. And you can feel it in this message. It says, they advocated customs that are not lawful as Romans 
to accept or practice. Now, we're going to remember this, and they're going to remember it later. They're saying, as us Romans, these guys aren't. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off, and they gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted them with many blows upon them, they threw them into prison and ordered the jail to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Now, wow, there is no trial. There is no justice. There is punishment and imprisonment. This is a really bad thing. And I'm thinking about Paul. If you read scripture, sometimes you, it's good to put your mind there. Because how would I react if this was happening? I'm coming across. I meet Lydia. This is fantastic, God. I deliver a girl who's bound demonically in a way. And next thing you know, for doing good, I'm beaten. I'm tortured because they use these sticks to really ultimately interrogate somebody to beat them. I'm imprisoned, I'm naked, I'm shamed in front of everyone, and I'm mocked, beaten by the crowd, and I'm beaten, beaten by the judges, and then I'm thrown into prison. How would you feel if this is where the Spirit led you to go? I thought our park service was a real suffering for Jesus. Don't you, Chad? I remember like, God, why are we in the park? This is, the Spirit will lead you places sometimes that don't make sense. But I think by this time, Paul is very clued in to why he's there, which leads us to the next part, the jailer. And this is our last part. I love this thought from Charles Swindoll before we read this. It says, vision is the ability to see God's presence, to perceive God's power, and to focus on God's plan in spite of the obstacles. That is vision. His power, his presence, even in spite of obstacles. Acts 16.25, at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Now, listen, I don't know how you are in the middle of some of the most unjust things that have happened to you, but I don't find myself always wanting to pray and sing hymns, right, to God. These are really good things to take note of when you're in a really tough place, and especially when God has led you there. To take note of what they act like. You know, the, the, the battle to live in your faith is so difficult over your feelings. Your feelings are valid, but they are, should never overtake your faith. And this is what's happening right here. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. This is what we're seeing at work through Paul and Silas here in prison. They have to trust that on the other side of this, something really good is there. And here it happens. Verse 26, and suddenly there was a great earthquake. The foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. And when the jailer woke up from the prison door, and the prison doors were open, he drew his sword out to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. There's two reasons why he had done this. One is he knows that he is going to be put to death because of what happened, so he has to die himself. If he lost these prisoners, he's going to die. The other part is, is he himself is scared because this is a divine sign when something like this happens. 
He is in a very, very tough place where salvation on earth or maybe even salvation in the afterlife to him is all bad. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, don't harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailers uh, called for lights and rushed in and trembled with fear. He fell before Paul and Silas. And then he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Now here is the moment of why Paul went through all of what he went through. For this moment, one of these pillars of the Philippian church happens right here. And he said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all who was in his household. Now all this happened so quickly because then the prison had a parsonage like this parsonage over here. They literally lived next to the prison, his family. Everyone was there. That's why he was awoken and ran out. And he took them that same night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once. He and all of his family. That's a beautiful picture. Because he's washing the wounds that his system has inflicted upon them. And these are brutal beatings. And then they baptize him and wash him of his sin. It's a wonderful picture. He and his family. Then he brought them to the house and set food before them. They rejoiced along with, with the entire house that he had believed in God. Acts 16.35, and when the day had come, the magistrate sent the police saying, let those men go. So they had decided this isn't worth the riot. This is a big deal, but let's just let it go. And it goes on to say this. This is interesting. And the jailer reported these words to Paul. The magistrates have let you go. Therefore, come out now and go in peace. This guy, this jailer is like, dude, you're free. I'm so happy. But this is Paul part that always confused me for the longest time. But it makes a lot of sense when you think of it this way. But Paul said to them, they have beaten us publicly, uncondemned men who are Roman citizens. And you're like, why did you say that in the beginning? You could have avoided all of this, Paul. He does not pull this Roman citizen card ever, except for one time when it really mattered and where he was really wanting to go. This wasn't his time for that. And by the way, I don't think Paul wants to get in a situation where the Roman citizenship saves him from suffering. He wants Christ to save him. But he says it after the fact. But he says it after the fact for a reason. I didn't think he was just kind of being like bowing up here and saying, you don't know what you did. You're going to hear from my attorney. He's not doing that. Something's being done here that I love about Paul. They throw us out. They throw us into prison and they do not uh, throw us, they throw us, they want to throw us out secretly. Why is he making all this trouble? But he has a purpose, and it's to protect his new church. If they can, if they can justify doing this to a Roman citizen, then they can justify doing it to those who are citizens here. I want to make sure that the beating I took will protect those in front of me. And so here's what he does, because if they found out they beat a Roman citizen without bringing them to court, without hearing, this was one of the greatest things about becoming a Roman citizen, without really investigating it, those magistrates, they could be put to death. So this freaked 
them out. And I think Paul knew exactly what he was doing. He said, no, I'm not going to go. He said, let them come themselves and take us out. This isn't a power move. This is Paul setting something up for his people to survive. The police reported these words to the magistrate. They were afraid. And when they heard that they were Roman citizens, so they came and they apologized to them. This is what he wanted. And they took them out and they asked them to leave the city. So they went out from the prison, visited Lydia. And when they got out, they had seen the brothers and they encouraged them and they departed. To, to me, we, we have weird roads that God will take us. You're probably here because of a weird road that God took you. I'm not going to lie. I'm here because of a weird road that God took me. But... But, but he's taking you somewhere, and you just have to continue to trust him. It doesn't, doesn't really matter what you're going through. It, 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 God cares about it. What I'm saying is don't lose hope and faith in that what you're going through. Because of the pathway you're trying to follow, for God to lead you for his kingdom and his glory, as difficult it is it can be, and the more difficult, the more glory. It's just the way it is. That You have to trust that he's got something very, very good in the works, just like he did here. He didn't know this church was going to be born, and he would never have picked these people. God picked them, and he is developing from here. Later, years later, while Paul's in prison again in Rome, he writes to this little faithful church. And this is what he says. This is one of my favorite scriptures out of Philippians 1.6. He says, and I am sure of this, these people who have been feel like Paul is gone, we're up here. He says, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work, meaning God in you, will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. You know, what can you take home today, I'll say? This is kind of what I think we could walk out with is we must learn to take heed to the Spirit's leading and practice obedience. If you want to shut the Spirit out, just stop doing what he's leading you to do. I don't think he'll ever stop. But if you want to dull the voice and increase your influence over the Spirit, then just that's how you can do it. But practicing obedience is one of those little things at a time. I mean, if you can train a dog, you, you can train yourself. To be, is that too much? <laughs> to be obedient to the Spirit's leading. Here's how you'll feel it. Conviction of sin. Oh, as a Christian, it's the worst. Sin is presenting itself. You are being tempted. You're not engaged. But all of a sudden, you're just like, you, do you know the feeling? Do you know the feeling it hurts a little? It's like, it's the Spirit is convicting you of sin. He's saying, this is not for you. This is not how you're created to be. That's a way you will feel his leading. And you can practice obedience when you resist that. Conversations where he's leading us to be in conversations, to reconcile something where he's leading us and we have to just, we have to obey and move in that direction even when we can't see the outcome. Big picture stuff, moves, where you're going to be, who you're going to be. All of these are little practices in obedience. The second thing and the last thing we can walk out with is we can't predict or plan actually what happens when the Spirit leads us by faith because it's by faith. We don't know where God is taking this church next. I never thought we would be here. 
I don't think Hope, who we merged with, ever thought they would be here. We don't know where he has taken us next, but if we're going by faith, we just got to be on that journey and obey. We can't trust in the impact. We can trust in the impact and the outcomes that are occurring, even if we can't see it. Paul couldn't see while he's in jail that God was orchestrating something beautiful. We couldn't see it. He couldn't see when a Macedonian man is calling in a vision that it was actually Lydia waiting there for him. He couldn't see it. He couldn't see that through his actions of kindness it landed him in prison. He couldn't see any of that, but we have to trust the process. And I'll say we can learn from Paul and Silas is that when you are in those difficult times and God is leading you, of which he will be leading you, you can learn from them. In the hardest time, in the midnight hour when it's the coldest and they were naked and they were shackled and they were shamed, they were sitting in other people's feces, they sang songs to remind them theologically of who God is and they prayed. And that's what you can do in those moments and wait for God to do what God does. And on the other side of that, I promise you something really, really good. In the midst of any hardships, hiccups, changes, detours, peaks, and valleys, the Spirit is with you at all times. We can take heart from chapter 16. Let's pray. God, we love you, and we thank you for your word. Your word, God, I think is as relevant today as it ever has been in our life, God. Your word today is alive. And God, we're no different than Paul and Silas. We have the same call. We're ambassadors. We're called to move and go and preach the word. But God, I pray that every person here, although we make plans and we should make plans, but we should also relieve those plans if you are leading us somewhere else. Just because it's a plan, God, help us not to force it through because we came up with it, God, but to you the glory. And God, I ask the same for this church. And I ask the same for every person in here. Is that God, lead us by your spirit into unexpected places, through unexpected things, with unexpected outcomes, God, but for your glory. That we be a church that reflects that very heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me this last song?